The following is a presentation of the Premier Dance Network. Hi everyone, Kimberly Falker here, the founder and CEO of the Premier Dance Network, the only podcast network dedicated solely to the world of dance. And welcome to Pod to Chat with your host, Barry Corellis. Hello and welcome back. Thanks for coming to chat. I am your host, Barry Corellis, and you are listening to Pod to Chat Talking Dance on the Premier Dance Network. In this bi-weekly podcast, I candidly offer educational conversations and thoughtful analysis on all things dance. With my vast background as a director, choreographer, instructor, and dancer, I am happy to share my 17 plus years of experience with you, whether you're a professional dancer or just listening in for an insider's look into our fascinating art form. So put your earbuds in, grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and let's talk dance. Hello and welcome back. Thanks for coming to chat. I am your host, Barry Krolis, and you are listening to Pod to Chat Talking Dance on the Premier Dance Network. In this bi-weekly podcast, I candidly offer educational conversations and thoughtful analysis on all things dance. With my vast background as a director, choreographer, instructor, and dancer, I'm happy to share my 17 plus years of experience with you, whether you're a professional dancer or just listening in for an insider's look into our fascinating art form. So put your earbuds in, grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and let's talk dance. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Pod Chat. Um, I don't really know how to start this episode, to be completely honest. Like, my brain has been in so many places. And just to think back to podcasting two weeks ago and seeing like where we were two weeks ago and then seeing where we are today, it's just kind of like, how the hell do you go about trying to share information publicly with people when the world is a completely different place? Um, I've really struggled with exactly what I wanted to podcast about. I even like when, when I first started to stay home for this period of social distancing, I was like, oh, I'm going to create all this new content and I'm going to podcast more frequently because people are going to need some type of outlet. But it's just been very, very strange um, how much life has changed. Um, So before we go, before I get on to anything, I mean, I have a few announcements, but right now it's hard to even announce anything because it's like there are so many things that I was looking forward to uh, in the coming months and this summer and now everything's up in the air. So I I'm, I took some, some notes down to develop this podcast, but I, I'm going to, I'm going to do what I said I was going to do, I think, but I'm going to kind of like mix things around because it just feels more appropriate. I don't want to do like some, something that seems contrived because it's not really where I am right now. And I feel like that's kind of how we need to treat ourselves. Um, yeah, so let's go back to around the time that the last podcast came out. So I think I recorded it on a Wednesday. It might have been a Tuesday. Um, and that would have been about March, what is that, the 11th? Um, and now I'm recording on March 26th. Usually I try to record earlier in the week, but things have just gotten... I've been too busy, which sounds crazy, um, or I've been so not busy that it it can't get anything done. But um, yeah, so back 
two weeks ago on Wednesday. That's when things started to like really get real. I, I, it's, it's just crazy to see like how much my perspective has changed on life and the world like over time. So I'm going to get actually, I'm going to get to the last Wednesday in, in, in a couple minutes. So I've been watching this whole like COVID-19 at the time we just called it the coronavirus or the Wuhan virus, which isn't even appropriate. Um, but back, I, I remember seeing the news come out that this new virus was starting to uh, strike people in, in China. And for me, like I was keeping an eye on the news because I was preparing to launch movement headquarters. And I actually had an entire countdown in my head and, uh, where I was like, if the, like, I remember it was just in China and then it started to spread to places like, I think South Korea and Iran and Japan were some of the next countries that it was starting to, the, the, the COVID virus was starting to go to. Um, and I just remember being super selfish in the moment because I was putting in all this hard work and throwing all this money into, into getting movement headquarters off the ground. And I just wanted to succeed at holding that show. And I actually had a timeline in my head that I was like, okay, well, if it comes to New York, if it doesn't, if we don't get news of it until like three or four days before the show, then we'll be in the clear. Because if they are going to shut down the city like they did in China, I was like, it's going to take a couple of days. They're not going to be able to just do it. So, um, I remember that Thursday coming and just feeling relief that we uh, made it that far and that I thought we were going to be able to hold our show. So uh, we did. That was great. If you want to hear about that, talk about uh, you can listen to that in other podcasts. Um, then I had another big, exciting thing happen, um, and that was to fly out to Denver for my first time to, to judge and teach at Youth America Grand Prix. And I remember like news was starting to come out. This is like the very last couple days of February that I flew to Denver, um, that it was definitely going to come to the United States. I don't know if we had actually like had a moment where they had confirmed that the first case had been recorded, but I mean, we all know at this point that it was probably here, like at least in mid February. Um, but uh, I remember flying and like I was starting to do the whole like wash your hands a lot more frequently thing, not touching my face. Um, I had a scarf and I was like, if anybody's coughing around me, I'm just going to wrap the scarf around my face. Um, like I was starting to take precautions, but I wasn't taking it so seriously that I actually thought I was going to get it. Um, and then that weekend went very well. So there were some like whispers about what had happened or what was happening and the possibility of it coming to New York. And I think this is when Italy was starting to like really pick up. And, um, I was, I remember being in the car, were we in the car? No, we were in the judge's room and I, I was talking to, uh, we were all talking amongst each other and there were some current concerns that if the virus hit that they were going to have to cancel the finals for youth american grand prix or postpone them or whatever and i actually remember like turning and and trying to uh offer some comfort and being like you know if it comes it's going to be here in the next two weeks and it'll take they'll shut everything down for two weeks and by mid-april um everything will be back up and running and it's funny because i said that and like i look back now and like how naive was i to be to say something like that um but of course like you can't nobody alive has really dealt with this before. And if they did, they were probably like one or two and they're well over a hundred years old. So, um, 
no gener no, no generation alive really understands uh, or understood what it meant to exist during a major epidemic, except for in some like with the Ebola outbreak, and I think there was MERS and SARS. Like those were very confined to small uh, groups of people. So that just seems very naive at the at the moment. So it's funny because then I. I remember getting home that Monday and I, I didn't teach my class at Broadway Dance Center because my flight didn't get back in time. Um, so I wasn't going to teach until Friday again. But we got an email from the director of Broadway Dance Center and she mentioned in it that because we have a lot of international teachers there and teachers that travel internationally for work, that if you had been to China, South Korea, Japan, Italy, or Iran, that they wanted you to self-quarantine for 14 days. And I remember being like, there is no way in hell that I could afford to do that or that I would do that, that I would just lie and I would go to work. Um, I was like, nobody's going to do that. That's ridiculous. I can't believe that they would expect us to actually do that. Again, looking back now, I feel very naive. But I mean, this kind of tells you like how we view this until we know it's a threat like you look at something in distance and you're like uh not that big of a deal we don't we, like take minor precautions not major precautions and just continue like going about our lives um and i i feel like a, a major portion of that is because um we as humans are we grow like we, we from the from, from the day that you are born, you start growing and your first 18 years of life, like you're growing, 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 and then you become an adult. And while you may stop physically growing, I mean, unless you're getting larger in the waist, um, <laughs> but and instead of physically growing, you can, you emotionally grow up. Cities are doing well when they're growing. Like we have this idea that if we're not growing, that we're not doing well. Um, I think that there is something to do with that. That should be a whole other podcast at some point. But so for the idea of, somebody to have to put their life on hold for 14 days for something that what we felt was like, or what I felt was like a very likely possibility seemed insane. Now it's a completely different story. Um, so, okay. That was like, I don't know, three weeks ago on a Monday. And then that the rest of that week, we're just starting to hear like word that things were happening. Like the new Rochelle case happened and there were like just little spots where people were popping up. And then by that Monday, the next week, they had put together that uh, New Rochelle confinement zone. So New Rochelle is like a 20-minute drive uh, north of New York City. Um, when I teach in Connecticut, I pass through New Rochelle every single time. Um, so I've never actually been in that area, but I, I, I know that area. Like, I know where it is very well. Um, so, yeah, they did that, and then that's when things started to like get progressively crazy. Um, especially living in New York, being a New Yorker. I feel like a lot of people in the United States have been watching what's been happening in New York and then like slowly and systematically other parts of the country have started to shut down. But like what happened in New York was very, very fast and it was very hard to keep up with and it was happening in real time. Um, and it was, it was madness. It was chaos. It wasn't like people were running down the streets, like screaming, like aliens were attacking us, but just like the access, the, the fast access that we have to information today. And then that combined with like access to information that's true and not true. And also being connected to so many different communities, like the, like artists 
don't just dance. Like there are artists that work other jobs. Um, there are artists that are connected with people that are higher levels um, throughout the city because maybe they met them as a don like they were donor at an event and they became friends. Like artists are connected to practically every single community in New York City. Um, so different people have different access to different things. So it was just very interesting. So the containment zone thing happened and then I, I, I can't completely remember, but I remember on Wednesday, so this is, I'm getting back to what I was initially talking about on that Wednesday, two weeks ago, um, I went to go see a show at the Joyce and I asked my husband, I was like, I don't really know like if I should go because I just don't want to be sitting in a room full of people and if people are coughing, I'm going to be uncomfortable. And I, he was like, just go. And if you feel uncomfortable, then leave. So I, I went and took the subway. It was rush hour, regular, like very busy Manhattan line. I was on the, the one train and it was like, there was space. Like you could actually like stay away from people. It was crazy. It was rush hour. That felt weird. I thought that that was like as bad as it was going to get. Got to the show. Um, didn't really enjoy the show. Unfortunately, it wasn't really my cup of tea, but there was a guy, I didn't realize until the intermission that there was a guy behind me, an older gentleman who was coughing incessantly. He had a tissue and he was trying to keep it under wraps, but I'm like sitting there as the show's, the second act is starting and I'm like, I can't even focus on the, the show because this guy's coughing behind me and we're being told all this like awful news on television. So I sucked it up. I stayed. I wish I had left. Um, I finally yesterday hit my 14 day threshold from that event. I'm crazy. So I'm neurotic and hypochondriac and asthmatic and freaked out about things in general. So I've been keeping timelines in my head up to 14 days from certain events that happened. Um, and that one I just passed yesterday. So I feel a lot better because that was my biggest concern. Um, but yeah, I was, I was freaked out. So I went home and when I sat down on the couch, President Trump was on the television and he was announcing a travel ban from Europe. And I was like, what? <laughs> so I turned to my husband and I was like, hey, we need to make a contingency plan tonight as to like, where's the closest urgent care? Where's the closest emergency room? What do we do if we need to leave the city? Um, we need to get up tomorrow morning and we need to go food shopping right away because things are going to get crazy. And he was like, what do you, what do you, why do you think they're going to get crazy? And I was like, they've been saying concerning things for the past couple of days and a lot of like hand sanitizer and like Lysol wipes had gone away. Um, I was like, and then this European travel ban, a lot of people have been to Europe, so that's going to affect them in a way because they understand that. Like it's something they could personally, uh, they, they feel it was like something personal that they, like if they've been to Europe or they have family in Europe or anything like that, they understand it. So that's going to scare them. I was like, we need to go because I feel like the dominoes are like the cards are just going to fall really fast after this. So, um, we got up in the morning, we went food shopping and, um, the grocery store, there was, there was still a lot of food, but, uh, like typically where we are in Queens, there, the lines, there's not usually any crazy lines at our grocery stores. Um, and there were like three or four people in each line. So that was kind of uncommon, but it wasn't like stressful or scary. Um, as we walked out of the grocery store, there was, um, I looked at my, f at my phone and, I had seen earlier that they had canceled a show, an episode, not an episode, a show, an, a matinee show of Moulin Rouge, and I thought that that was strange. 
Um, and then I, I got a, a message that Broadway had shut down. And that's when I knew that things were starting to get crazy because that's something that everybody can relate to. Everybody knows what Broadway is. So many people have been to Broadway shows. Um, that's relatable. That's going to freak people out. And then the NBA shut down for their season. Um, and I was so grateful that we had the foresight to go to the store. We didn't panic by. We didn't. We just got enough food for a week. Because um, honestly, we still didn't think it would be much longer than that at that point. Um so yeah, that happened. We, I forget exactly where my husband and I had gone, but we were coming back to our front door that evening at like seven o'clock. And one of our neighbors was like the grocery store. There was a line wrapped completely around the store, um, waiting for people to check out. And there's like nothing left on the shelves. So I was proud that we had beaten those crowds and that we had seen the writing on the wall beforehand. But that was like, okay, well, we expected, but it's also kind of scary. Um, then very progressively, things went from, like, I think they announced that night you could have five gatherings of 500 or less. And if you if you had more than that, you had to do that. And people started canceling things. Um, on Friday, I really struggled. Uh, so this will be two weeks from when you listen to this episode. I really struggled because uh, Broadway Dance Center was still open. Steps on Broadway was still open. A handful of other open class schools were still open. And I didn't really feel comfortable to go in and teach, but I was afraid that the economy was going to shut down and I needed to make money. Um, and then also, like, we as artists always have this idea in our head that, like, we our art helps people and we need to be available and present to help people in their times of need and sometimes you just need to like dance your emotions out and um i was just really struggled with this like dancer mindset versus like this practical mindset like there's a pandemic the city is going into crisis um people could be freaking out i'm asthmatic am i putting myself in danger we still didn't know at that point that there was a potential that asymptomatic uh people who were infected with covid could could harm other or could get other people sick um so I went and I taught my first class and I mean, it was not worth it. My dancers, I had eight dancers in there and I made no money and they looked freaked out and I didn't want to go near any of them. Um, and then they left and then I actually passed by one of the teachers um, and less than a week later she had mentioned like we chatted for a couple a couple of seconds in passing she had posted on Insta, on instagram or facebook that she uh and her boyfriend were very sick with the same symptoms of covid as covid but they couldn't get uh tests because they were in their 20s and her her boyfriend even went to the hospital with like bad chest pain and they turned him away and said go home and take care of this at home um so yeah <laughs> this is how real it is so um i was supposed to teach at another school ballet arts that afternoon and i went and three people showed up they canceled the class i gave myself bar i started to get a headache i started to feel really exhausted and i was like oh my gosh am i starting to feel the symptoms um and so i i chose to cancel my last class at broadway dance center and that's a very complicated other story that i'm not going to get into but i went home and I fell asleep for like an hour and a half and I woke up and it feels like every day after that, they just did more. It was like only gatherings of a hundred people, only gatherings of 50 people, only gatherings of 10 people stay in your house. The stock market crashed day after day after day. Um, so yeah, it's, it's now 
where are we? It is the 26th of March. I haven't left my apartment uh, out, outside of like my a few short walks around my neighborhood to get out, uh, like get some fresh air and to go to the grocery store since March, the evening of March 13th. So I've been home for almost two weeks, as I hope many of you have been. Um, it is the safe thing to do. Um, and yeah, I've I've really been... I've gone through like so many like backs and forths throughout this whole situation. The first five days, okay, that Friday I I, I left, uh, I, I finally came home. So that Saturday, what was it? Sorry, it was the Wednesday for, at the Joyce. That's what it was. The Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday surrounding that whole end of this story that I was just telling you. Um, I had a lot of trouble getting off the couch um, and I had a lot of trouble getting anything done. I pretty much just sat watching the TV and clicking through Facebook news articles that would come to my feed. And, um, I was in a daze. Like I would be like, I'm going to go work out. My husband would be like two and a half layers. Are you going to go work out? And I didn't even realize that the time had passed. I would have to go run out to go do something that I actually had to do for work. Um, the first five days I was in such a daze. I didn't even realize it. And I think that a lot of people were, um, I, I found myself very angry. Um, I even actually, it, I wrote an article for dance magazine. Um, and it was about the resilient dancer mindset. Um, it was out last week. You can find it on dance magazine. Um, I even post on my social media if you want to look for it there, but that was my response to being really angry. I, there were so many things that had happened and just, I think being, stuck like emotionally stuck on on social media um looking at how people were responding um to things that were happening it just made me really upset because there were so many people like i am connected to a lot of teachers and i honestly feel as a teaching community that i mean i i can't hold any schools accountable the schools did whatever they they felt like they should do and that that is their own their own organizations and their own opinion and their own businesses so it's it's i can say what i feel about it like i think they should have shut down but obviously i don't know any of the logistics and i can't necessarily uh throw any blame on them but um so many teachers were like, we're going to push through this and we're going to have class. And all I could think is like, I had taught that Monday, um, a week prior to the school shutting down. And then that Friday I taught one class and I feel like we were just going in and we were telling people like, we're resilient dancers. We show up when things go wrong. I think I wrote in the article, like we show up like when we're sick to work, we show up in pain to work. We, uh, when the, when cities are closed due to weather or for holidays, we show up to work. Um, like we are resilient and, and that mindset kept on going and it started to scare me because I was like, what if we are the ones that are responsible for people getting sick and dying in our community? Um, so that was one thing. The other thing that really upset me was, I know that Instagram and, and Facebook are very selfish platforms. I, I can't, I mean, I, I'm on them all the day, all, all day, every day. Um, but to see people's reactions to like losing the opportunity to do a show, losing the opportunity to have, uh, to go teach at this place, um, losing work, things like that. Like, yeah, it was scary to lose money, but it seemed like people were 
more upset about the emotional attachment to the loss of the opportunity. Um, I need to take some time to explore that because I was really upset with a lot of people in our community because it seemed very selfish to me that we were more concerned about not getting to dance. I'm th- this is I'm not calling anybody out and making something up, but like not getting to dance. Uh, let's say. Odette in Swan Lake. Like, yeah, that's, I would be upset too. But now that I'm out of that ballet bubble, um, it, it was much more revealing of like how to a degree we are brainwashed by this idea of dancer resilience. Um, and I mean, if I had been preparing movement headquarters and we had to cancel our shows and I lost all of that money that I put into it and all that time rehearsing the dancers, I would be devastated. I probably would have done the same thing. So for me to judge that, it's not really fair. But like in the moment, it was just making me angry to see it because I was like, we're talking life or death and people are concerned about roles. Um, and that's stabilized a lot more over time as we've been social distancing and staying in our apartments. But um I had a hard time coping with that. And my way to cope with that was um, to put that into words and to to explore why that was happening. Instead of being angry at specific artists, it, it was to explore why that is. And I think it's very much because it's ingrained in our culture. And it's, it's, it's almost like... I wanted to talk about coping mechanisms and like how, how people are coping differently throughout this and how I'm coping. But what I think it came down to is that dancers are actually taught not to cope. They're taught that they have to push through a situation and then you deal with whatever the consequences are later. If you get injured on stage in the moment, you assess as quickly as possible. Can I push through this or do I need to crawl off stage? And most of the people will try their best to push through it, finish the performance, and then they'll be out for six months. So that immediate moment, in that immediate moment being in an art form where you are performing live, you don't cope. You manage. It's like triage. You manage and then you make what you think will be the best termination and then you deal with the consequences later. Um, and that's what I felt like. A lot of people were doing. We were just like when we are when we are tired, when we are emotional, when we are uh, down, when we are scared, when we are unsure. We we show up and we dance because if we dance, we'll be able to figure it out. But in reality, like if we showed up to dance, we could have been infecting people. And it just, it still upsets me right now. And I still have to deal with that a little bit. But, um, so for the first five days, my coping mechanism was to try to gain as much information as possible so that I could try to determine what I thought was the correct information. Um, and it was to come to, uh, some type of understanding of, of like, why I felt the way that I did and whether I felt the need to completely detach myself from that idea of being a resilient dancer. And if I need to just humble myself, sit in my apartment and shut, shut up. That's what I felt. Um, so yeah, now if we go back to Monday, so that was Monday would be 13 days ago. I feel like these podcasts, I'm going to start to have no idea what day it is. I'm sure you, many of you are in the exact same place, <laughs> but yeah, so that Monday, um, something happened to me and for me, I feel very lucky because I've struggled through my career. I've had moments where I've ended up at home for weeks and months at a time trying to figure out how to make money, how to, uh, 
learn things with a very fast learning curve. And I pretty much that Sunday night, I was like, I can't do this anymore. I need to just start working because if I don't start acting now, everybody else is going to start acting because they're shutting down the entire city. I think by Monday, they said only non-essential workers at that point. It might've actually been Wednesday. Um, and sorry, only essential workers, all non-essential workers could, uh, couldn't work. Um, so I was like, I need to start producing content. And that's when I posted that I was going to do like multiple podcasts and videos and whatnot. Um, and you know what? Last week flew by so, so fast. I was so busy every single day. So one thing that I already know about myself, one of my coping mechanisms is to work. Um, so I woke up on Monday and I recorded a an at-home bar video for small spaces because I can't I can't teach a full-out class in my apartment. My apartment's too small. As many New Yorkers and other people living in in larger cities, they also have the have have to have these things. So I um I spent most of my day recording and coming up with content, recording and then editing and then posting that. Um, and then I had pitched an article off of a Facebook post that I did about the dancer resilience thing to dance magazine. And they, they bit, and I got to write that article and that was posted on, on Wednesday. I did another, another, uh, video on Thursday. I, I occupied my time again with other things. And on Friday, I, um, I just did a live stream and I gave myself class. And at that point, I realized that I had worked the entire week without a break. So my coping mechanism was to work. Um, but at the same time, I, <laughs> I didn't take any time to actually relax. And one thing I think that is great about having this, this time period at home is that like people with recurring injuries could probably resolve some of those issues right now. That's an opportunity that most dancers never get um, without losing opportunities. Um, I, my husband and I are always so busy. We're running around like to have some time to like just relax and maybe like watch TV for a, like a day or two, sleep in this and that. Like we had set like a strict schedule. Um, I did think that that was important when, so when we did our con- contingency plan that night that I went to the Joyce with the man coughing behind me, one of the things that we did was we set a schedule. Like we wake up at nine 45, we go to bed by one 30 in the morning. Yeah, we're late. We get up late. We go to sleep late. Um, we wake up, we have breakfast, we do work, um, then we exercise, and we do work, there's lunch somewhere in between there, and then we make dinner, and then we relax. Um, that was very, that's been a very hopeful, helpful coping mechanism, not hopeful kelping, <laughs> helpful kelp coping mechanism, that's so hard to say right now. Um, but at the same time, it didn't leave some space for us to actually appreciate not having to like run around the city. Um, so then we got to the weekend and I went for a very long walk and um, tried to take one day off. We cleaned the entire apartment. I haven't, one of the few things that my husband and I have the luxury of having like that we treat ourselves to is every two weeks we have somebody clean our apartment. So it was the first time we actually like did a spring cleaning of our apartment since we moved here in 2017. Um, so yeah, we've been finding really good ways to cope. I feel like, uh, a lot of people are watching people like me and they're going, wow, look how inspired he is and look how hardworking he is and like motivated. But I want to let you know, like it's, that's something that I have cultivated for years and years and years. Um, 
back in 2014 when I had my career ending in, career ending injury, I didn't have any work lined up. Um, and when I was freelancing, I didn't have any work lined up. Like I started blogging because of that. I have the tools and I have the resources already in my toolbox to be able to act the way that I am. Um, the only difference is that the world is very different and I can't leave my apartment. Um, I am grateful though that I have my husband here and I have a beautiful view of the New York skyline. It makes me still feel connect, connected as a to the city. But, um, but yeah, so that was last week. This week has been pretty much the same except today. Like I just really, today has been a really, really hard day for me. Um, I woke up this morning and my mom had texted me that Queens was the new epicenter of the of the uh, outbreak in the United States, which we already know that. Um, I didn't need to know that. I already knew. Um, last night they started um, they started posting news articles on the national news about how New York hospitals are starting to become overrun, and there were there was an article that specifically focused on the hospital that my husband and I had set as our contingency emergency room. Um, then like, I actually, I'm talking to you right now. One of my friends just texted me an article, like the timing, how could this timing be real? But I've already seen this article, 13 deaths in a day, an apocalyptic coronavirus surge at a New York city hospital. This is on Yahoo. I think the original one was in CNN. Um, that's my hospital. So essentially, sorry, whew, if we get sick, that's where we're supposed to go, um, which is kind of frightening. And, and it's been hard because I pretty much knew that this was going to happen today. Um, I'll pull myself back together in a second. I didn't sleep very well last night. Um, and the reason for that is because... We hear ambulance sirens constantly going by our apartment. I'm actually quite shocked that, I mean, I've been recording for like 32 minutes at this point. Um, it, it sometimes happens like one after the other after the other with like, you, you can barely take a breath in between to actually experience silence. Um, and because we're, we're being forced to stay inside, you can't really get away from it. So it's easier to work and to sort of drown out the noise. And, and it's not like just the noise. You go on your computer and like, I just want to check my mail on Yahoo and the news shows up and you see the news and you see, you see a picture of the hospital that you're supposed to go to if you get sick and saying that 13 people died at that one hospital. Um, and you go on Facebook to like check in with friends and colleagues and you see them saying like, I've been sick for nine days and I have a fever or like I've tried to get a test and, um, they keep on turning me away. I've gone in three times. Um, and you hear sirens constantly and you wake up to text messages. Like I've, I've gone to the point where I'm starting to tell my friends, like you don't need to text me that there's bad news. Um, cause I, I'm here. Like I, I don't need people to tell me cause 
I hear like every every couple of minutes. So whew, that got real very very quickly, but I'm going to pull myself back together. And I'm going to keep on going. And I'm not going to delete it. I'm going to just post this as it is. I think it's important for people to hear. So um, I wanted to share this because I feel like a lot of people are coping in different ways. Um, and if you see why I'm so busy and motivated and structured, um, it's because I have these tools. And it's because I'm, I need to keep myself busy because otherwise I just stare at the television um, and the news on my computer and listen to sirens all day long. Um, and we also don't know how long that's going to happen for. So, um, don't be afraid of your coping mechanisms, but also don't be afraid of having more structure in your day. I do find that it's okay to like, you, you can have, it's good to have like, I'm going to try to wake up at this time and I'm going to try to fall asleep at this time. Um, and I'm going to like exercise at this time. I'm going to eat three meals and I'm going to have downtime. Um, even if you're not doing any work, if you're just resting, um, I, I find that you have to be, be more lenient with yourself. Like our plan was to get up at nine 45. The last three days we've gone up at ten thirty in the morning. Um, last night we went to bed at three o'clock in the morning. Um, what I do is I try to like set a schedule each week, and then I reassess it the next, like that Sunday, and then come up with a new schedule. If it's working, it's working. I keep it going. If it's not working, then I make minor adjustments. So if, if you're trying to find ways to add more structure to, to your day so that you can cope, that's something that you can do. Um, all right. I think I've got myself back together. That got real for a second because, I mean, yeah, things are crazy. Uh, a lot of people are watching us um, from afar, and it's really fascinating to 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 watch people watch you and to to see to actually like be there. Um, I mean, I'm we're so lucky thus far. My husband and I like we're we're healthy. I I have thought practically every day that I've been sick. Um, like I said, I'm a hypochondriac. Like my door, my my throat has gone a little bit sore a few days. I think it's because everything is starting to blossom outside. Um, had headaches. I've been exhausted. I think that that's mostly emotional. Um, so there's this like constant questioning, but I'm, I'm very grateful. We, we are, we are both still healthy. We've been home. It'll be 14 days for me on Saturday. It'll be 14 days for my husband on Monday. Um, so yeah, I, I, we're just very lucky to have each other and to, uh, still have our health in this crazy time. And we send our thoughts out to a lot of people. So um, I'm going to move on to the other part of my podcast because I feel like I need to talk about something else other than just what's going on. So <clears throat> I'm going to move on to something else so that I don't just like sit here and have like an emotional breakdown uh, for all of you guys to listen to. All right. So where am I now? We, I wanted to talk. So as I mentioned before, um, I started making home home ballet classes. Essentially, they're home bar and conditioning videos. Not like bar fitness, but like ballet bars with conditioning exercises in between some of the combinations. And then I throw in a couple center combinations for small spaces so that people can keep themselves in shape um, throughout this time. I know some people have, still have access to dance studios. I know some people have like big rooms in their houses um, where they can dance. Um, that is not the case for a lot of us in New York. Um, 
I honestly could only really do bar and turn my body to face different angles to make sure I don't hit anything. Um, so I was inspired to create classes for people to help them stay in shape. So I've been creating these basic level uh, classes and these intermediate advanced level classes. So essentially like a basic intro beginner level student versus like a pre-professional and professional student. Um, and what I've been doing is I've been asking people to donate um, 12 or more dollars per video uh, for these classes so that um, I can make up for lost income because I have lost all of my work. Um, I am currently waiting to see if I qualify for unemployment, so that will help. But New York, I mean, my rent and my health insurance alone are almost $3,000. So um, it's been a big hit to to have all of this work canceled. Um so I, the videos, I, I'll give you the information really quickly about them. Um, so those are the videos. They're all about an hour to an hour and 15 minutes long. If you are interested in getting a video, you can email me at bcarolis at yahoo.com. That's B-K-E-R-O-L-L-I-S at yahoo.com. And people have been donating through Venmo, and that's uh, at Barry, B-A-R-R-Y dash Corollis, K-E-R-O-L-L-I-S, um, or via PayPal with that same email address. Um, and they've, I've actually gotten a great response to these videos. We've done two series at this point and, um, I'm really happy with how, with how they've come out. So, um, one thing that I didn't want to do, a lot of people have been doing live stream classes. I did do a long, a live stream last Friday, but I did it for me and I just told people that they could join in. So I, I gave like a two hours notice that I was going to do it. I don't plan on doing any live stream classes, um, unless I'm going to do it that way to just keep myself accountable to stay in shape. Um, because I, I like the idea of doing these videos um, because then people have the link and they can just do them over and over and over again for as long as they need. Where the live streams, um, I feel like people are just excited to take with all these uh, high high level professionals and stars that are still in their careers. They're excited to take from them. Um, and then also a lot of schools are starting to do online learning. Um, so I've been doing these videos really just to have a resource for people to turn to so that the live streams, they go, they disappear. Um, these are there, they'll stay there until either I run out of space on my account or they, um, or, uh, yeah, that's about it. <laughs> I'm planning on keeping them there. So if you're interested, please do reach out to me if you want those videos. Um, and I can, send those over to you. But so one thing I'm not doing those, I'm offering exercises. I'm offering like a few corrections, um, but it's not like I'm there live to offer you corrections. I think that that's going to be one of the hardest things for people throughout this time. People can give themselves class, but to like just check in and make sure that you're doing things. Um, it's a really important part of training and keeping yourself in shape. Um, so I thought that today I would as a second part of this episode, I guess you're getting a twofer. It's like a two for one. All right. Um, for the second part of this episode, I want to talk about uh, just offer some corrections that I give myself um, before I do certain combinations. So I'm going to like pretty much run through class really quickly. I'm going to tell you things that I think. And when you're giving yourself your own classes or if you do choose to uh, get my my bar exercise and condition series, um, you can think about those then, or if you're taking any live streams, you can do that as well. So, um, these are just base corrections that I, the, the first ones that I'm going to tell you, they're just base corrections that I tell myself before class. So 
I always tell myself like pull my abs in tight. So it's like my lower abs towards my spine, keep my lats engaged so that I lift my shoulders up to my ears and I very slowly just push them down to the ground and I hold them in place. I don't let them go. And then I feel my inner thighs pulling together. And it's a sense as if like I was trying to hold a, a piece of paper between my legs and pulling the legs together without trying to get the quadriceps to engage right away. All right. So that's really like my base. Every time I step up to the bar, I, I check in with those things, make sure that they're set. And then I try to maintain those things throughout class. Uh, after that, we got plies. So for plies, I'm constantly checking in that I'm not pitching my torso forward past my legs. There's a tendency when uh, I do plies, uh, especially in second position and in fourth in fourth position, I tend to want to move my torso forward as my arm moves in, in plies. So I'll bring my arm down to the on ball position. And as I go down there, my torso moves forward. And then as I bring it to first, it comes back up. So I try to make sure that my knees, my whole body is moving like an elevator, just up and down, that nothing is folding front or back or side to side. Um, then in tondus, I start to focus on making sure that I'm truly shifting my weight. Um, you don't want to have the weight on your whole foot when you're doing when you're working with one leg. So it's a sense that I really make sure that I can lift my heel for a second and put it back down when I'm doing the tondus. And I like to set it up there because if I, I feel like if I set it up there, I usually maintain it throughout class. Um, another thing that I, I personally have to, to think about is I, I have the tendency to lose the emphasis on rolling through my demi point on my left foot as I come in from Tondu. Um, dancing for a balancing company and, and having that training where you have to you have a lot of faster footwork, um, there's a tendency to grip the arch and not really relax it. So when you Tondu, it's more like you have just two functions, like point your foot and be in fifth position. Um, and then when I finally like got to start taking my own classes, I, I, I noticed that I would go through Demi Point on the way out to the Tondu, but on the way in, I would tend to just sort of try to get the heel back on the floor. So so I, especially my left side, I constantly have to check in and make sure that I get a little bit of pressure into the ball of the foot and the heel stays engaged so that my arch is still pointed as I come into first position or fifth position in Tondu. Next up for Jetes, uh, when the leg starts to rise off of the floor, I, I like to really... Uh, check in with my shoulder and hip placement because uh, in Tondu, it's not that that hard for me. But once I start to get 45 degrees or above, um, my left hip tends to push forward on the right side to try to like get a nice line and especially in arabesque. Um, and also in all second to really like open that, that leg to the side. Um, and then also in the arabesque, especially my left shoulder tends to peak forward on the right side. And so obviously the other side, it's, it's the reverse. The right shoulder peaks forward in the right hip when my left leg is back. Um, so I really try to check in with those and, and make sure that my hip bones and my shoulder bones are facing forward, kind of like the headlights of a car. Um, you don't want to drive in a car where headlights are facing sideways or diagonally. I promise you that. So um, I try to do that. And then I also really like to try to focus on my the accents um, of the combination for Jete. I, I prefer to focus on especially like I like to take classes where the accent is in um, for Jete's because and Tandu's because not only do I feel like that warms me up more, but also it's the idea like when you get to center and you start jumping, the you it's more important that you have the ability to pull your legs back in 
so that you can protect your body when you're landing than it is to get them out. So I really like to focus on accent in in my jetés. So I'll pay extra attention to make sure that I'm not evenly going in and out and in and out. I go, I go, or I guess it would be out and in, out and in. I, I go out in, out in, out in like that. Next up, ronde jambes. I like to focus on maintaining a uh, complete turnout as I ronde jambe from the side to the back. I have a tendency to lose a little bit of that turnout. So to the front, I open, I go to the side, I'm usually good. And then that that moment where you rotate from the alisacon to the arabesque, I try to keep the turnout a little longer through the écarté and then go to the arabesque to make sure that I, I arrive turned out in the tendu back. Um, and then on the on dan, I like to go... F- from the back, and then I try to get to écarté faster with the turnout of the leg as I go to the alasacon to make sure that I'm not showing up in alasacon mildly turned in. Ah, I feel much better. I like talking about ballet. This, this is my thing, people. This is what gets keeps me going every day. So I don't know what I would do without it. All right, fondue. Uh, this is usually where I become acutely aware of the engagement of my of the backs of my legs during when I'm standing in arabesque. Um, now, granted, I, I know it's a fact that you can't like engage the back of your leg. When I say the back of my leg, I mean my butt. Um, if I'm not forward enough, pressing, putting pressure in my hips um, in arabesque, my weight tends to start to fall back when I'm trying to balance. So if I set this up in fondue, um, I'm I'm usually fine by the time that the leg goes higher to 90 degrees or even higher than that to be able to hold my balance, whether it's on flat or on releve. Um, this, this moment also, I, I, I usually become acutely aware if I haven't done these types of exercises in a few days because I can tell if that is weak because it's much harder for me to maintain the engagement in that moment. Um, so it's a good like checkpoint for me in class to see like where I am with my physical dance fitness. Um, what else? Uh, I also have to keep in check with the quality of my fondue, 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 fondue. I I sometimes punch my fondue, like it it gets punchy, um, where there's like a sharpness at the end. Um, so as the fondue unfolds, instead of like having a smooth execution through the knee, if my knee kind of like pops at the end, it gives like a sharpness of the fondue. So I try to make sure that the speed of my fondue is the same throughout so if I'm going fast in a fondue, it, it still has to all move at the same speed. Or if I'm going slow, it has to move all at the same speed so that I don't get that little punch at the end of it. Adagio. Um, in Adagio, I, I check back in to see if my weight is falling into my heel. Because as the leg gets higher, um, that's where the leg can start to like go away from the center of your body. Or to like just make up for the extra weight as the leg goes higher. Um, I... I sometimes feel the weight like rocking back and forth on the heel and you don't want to be rocking back and forth um that's destabilizing you want to have the weight over the ball of the foot so that you can be stable over over the foot um i also have to just check in and make sure that my legs feel like they're reaching away from my hip bones um because otherwise i just start to lift them i I've, i'll probably post a few more yearbook photos um from when i was at the kirov academy ballet i did a post last week um you should check it out it's where i talked to my 17 year old self right after the september 11th uh attacks on the u.s and how it felt like the world was ending then and how just trying to motivate others and myself to keep on going now um so uh, I used to have very large quadriceps because when I would lift my legs in adagio, like I was truly squeezing my quads to like 
keep them up. But I learned that if you leave your hip bones where they are and you scratch your big toe away from your body off the floor as far as possible and then just keep on reaching in that fashion, that if you hold your leg like that, even if you go devil pay, you still have that same reaching feeling. Um, you, My legs just completely changed like how they looked with the musculature of my quads. Um, oh, another thing I got a lot for Adagio. Another thing I check in for Adagio is lately I've noticed that um, – to the side, I might put my foot directly under my knee, but I need to put it slightly in front of my knee in attitude before I extend the leg because um, then I'm not always as turned out to the side. And then to the back, I also need to open my knee more before I, I, I get into attitude fully as I go into arabesque so that I don't have like a moment of turning as I open my leg. Frappe. Honestly, like I hate frappe. So I'm not really trying to think about much during them. I'm really just thinking I need to get through this. Um, <laughs> it's like kind of my retirement gift to myself. When I retired, I gave myself the luxury to not care as much about frappes. Um, <laughs> but uh, if you need something to focus on, I always say try to leave the frappe out as long as possible um, before you pull it back in so that it gives a different like excitement to the movement and a great energy and accent. Grand Bat Ma. All right. And Grand Bat Ma, since I hurt my back, I really struggle with the placement of my arabesque. Honestly, like if you watch any of the videos that I created, I, I'm usually in all sabesque. It's because my back hurts too much to keep it directly behind me. But one thing I've noticed that even with that minor adjustment to avoid hurting my back, my shoulders end up twisting. So I'll, like if my right leg is back, my left shoulder goes forward, my right shoulder goes back. Um, I will try to check in and make sure that my shoulders are staying aligned like I was saying before with that like headlight idea um all right then in center I haven't been doing much center I've been doing a little bit but um I'll give you a few things if you are doing your own practice at home um tondies and center I try to bring here you would think that I would like focus on different things but honestly like I try to bring focus into coordinating both my arms and my legs together and bringing my arms to life because when you're a bar you have the tendency to have one arm moving um and the other one's sort of just like stagnant holding onto the bar um so by the time we get to tondu usually there's like coordination exercises that happen with the arms and legs in the, the first tondu combination so i like to really just make sure that my arms are working correctly and um timed well after that i usually do pirouettes from fifth um, my very first pirouette and balance combinations in center, I really just try to get that feeling of uh, the structure of my supporting leg and creating tension to support that my body for multiple pirouettes. It's that idea that like if your heel is fully engaged in releve, your knee is fully extended, um, your rear end is fully engaged, your stomach is fully engaged, and your shoulder and lat are fully engaged down. Um, if you Really, I, I know people don't you know, like to use the term lock, but if you really like lock that position in, um, as long as you can figure out how to get your body in place for the pirouettes, usually all you have to do is just hit the position and hold it and you're fine. So for me, it's really important to focus on that standing leg um, in those first balance and pirouettes from fifth. Once we get to adagio, again, I really just try to coordinate the arms and the legs together. I, I, it's the idea that if you're going to do an écarté uh, derrière with the right, with like say your right leg to the side and your right arm coming up to fifth, um, and your left arm going out to second, just making sure that everything arrives at the same time. Like my arm shouldn't be in place, and then the leg slowly stretches. Like th as the knee stretches, the arms should be arriving, at, so that by the time that you hit the position, you're there. 
Um, after that, I usually do pirouettes. Uh, and pirouettes, I all, almost always, now I've already focused on so many parts of this that I, it's like I get to just add segments as we move on instead of having to review those things again. Obviously, they're on my mind, but they're not like the focus. In pirouettes, I try to focus on the coordination of really like yanking my shoulders in place. So there's that like reaching forward and back and then quick pull. Um, and then timing my arms coming into, into first position with that. And then, uh, how quickly my foot pushes my leg up to retire so that all three of those things happen at the same time so that I'm not like starting to turn and trying to pull something in. It's kind of like when you see somebody like in one of those movies where they're like hanging off a cliff and they're like reaching and reaching and you're trying to pull them in before like whatever they're around is like, say the cliff is starting to deteriorate. Like you shouldn't feel like that. You should feel like it's all coming in at once. Um, and then yeah, jumps, uh, for me, jumps again, it's mostly just about keeping my torso upright, um, like in plies and then, um, the energy of the leg snatching back underneath myself in the jumps. Obviously there are other things, but that's important to me because that's your safety net. Um, and then also lately I've been trying to focus on just maintaining my turnout in everything, including like tombe, padabore, and glissade. So yeah, that's what I think about. I said that fast, but if you want, you can go back and you can listen to them. Um, if you're trying to find ways to like self-correct, um, just pick like two or three every day and just check in with them and see if they're working. And once you realize that they're actually working, then move on to other ones. Um, I'm really curious to hear from you guys. How are you doing? I hope that you're healthy. I hope that you're safe. I hope that you're social distancing. Um, I send out all my thoughts and prayers to all of the people that are connected to me through this wild and crazy dance world. I hope that, uh, like, I, I just, I have, I, my, my thoughts are, are out there. I'm sending positive energy to all of you. Um, do reach out to me. Tell me what, what you've been experiencing, how you're coping. Um, if you have any things that you've been working on in your classes, let me know. If you want to uh, reach out to me to uh, get one of my videos, again, you can email me at bcarolis at yahoo.com. That's B-K-E-R-O-L-L-I-S at yahoo.com. Uh, again, I'm asking for a $12 plus donation uh, to help me make up lost income during this time. And I can be Venmoed at B, sorry, Barry Corollis. It's Barry, B-A-R-R-Y dash Corollis, K-E-R-O-L-L-I-S. And I've been very grateful. People have been so generous to help me make sure that I can still cover my bills during this time. Um, so yeah, that's that's this episode of Pod of Chat. I, I'm curious where we'll be in two weeks. I might try to, to do another episode in the next week or so, but I, I'm not committing to anything at this point. I I have my regular work things and um, this was therapeutic and painful all at the same time. Um, so I, I definitely will be back in two weeks to talk to you guys. Um, and there is the possibility that I could do more podcasts during this period of social distancing. So just stay in, tune, stay in touch um, or check in with my uh, social media platforms, which I will tell you in the outro that's going to happen right now. Stay healthy, everybody. I hope that you enjoyed this week's episode of Pod of Chat Talking Dance. If there are any topics you'd like to hear me talk about, please feel free to reach out to me via my website contact page at www.barrycorollis.com. Again, that's www.barrykerollis.com. You can also check out my company, Movement Headquarters Ballet Company, at www.movementhqballet.org. You can also reach out on my website if you would like to become a sponsor for our podcast or to book master classes in ballet or contemporary technique for choreography or speaking engagements. 
I hope you enjoyed listening in and talking dance with me. If you enjoyed this chat, please feel free to share, rate, and review our podcast on iTunes. Every bit of extra visibility helps keep these podcasts running. And if this didn't fulfill your dance fix, check out my sister podcast on the Premier Dance Network. If you want to connect with me to see where I'm choreographing, teaching, and what I'm doing in my everyday life, you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, where my name is B. Carolus, or on Twitter at Bariscos. Also, be sure to subscribe to my blogs. I have Life of a Freelance Dancer. I wrote on there for five years about living as an independent contractor and freelance artist traveling across the country. You can find that at lifeofafreelancedancer.blogspot.com. I also have Dancing All Stage, and you can find that at dancingallstage.wordpress.com. And I wrote on there about the post-performance careers of professional dancers. I also have a YouTube channel where you can check out my choreography and you can find that by going to youtube.com, going in the search panel and typing in B. Carolus. Thanks for listening in to Pot of Chat. I hope you return two weeks from this Friday to talk dance with me. And remember to go out and support your local dance scene.